Hi, I'm Jen. This is Gardening Out Loud. It is Sunday, September 3rd, just after 8 in the morning. And you will hear the cicadas are already awake and humming. The bees are still sleeping. I can see them in the cosmos from here. This is a really active pollinator time though, especially if you have some goldenrods, like some Canada goldenrod in your garden. I love hanging out by the Canada goldenrod when the sun's on it and seeing all the different kinds of pollinators that come to visit it. Normally my garden sees a lot of bumblebees, honeybees, occasional carpenter bee, and occasionally sweat bees. But what really brings the bees to the yard is the Canada goldenrod, which is widely maligned, especially in the garden world. But it is our native herbaceous perennial that supports the most kinds of pollinator life like by a significant margin. It's a tremendously useful plant. I also use it in bouquets as foliage before it blooms and for the yellow flowers after it blooms. So I find it to be a worthwhile plant to have around. That being said, of course, it does spread readily, although I do find it very easy to pull out. And it does exude a substance from its roots that can impede the growth of other plants. So you want to consider what else is growing around it, how hardy that is. Mine is kind of around the margins of the garden, oftentimes in place where I'm not growing much, or here there's some amongst my raspberry stand, they can take it. So fully recommend leaving some Canada goldenrod, but just being mindful about where it is and enjoying all the life it will bring in. I was in the garden yesterday, you know, harvesting, pruning, little weeding, this and that, watering, listening to the podcast Hidden Brain. And Shankar had a psychologist on named Fred Bryant, and his specialty is savoring and how savoring can make us more happy if we're good at it. And let me tell you, that was the perfect thing to do while doing kind of my morning gardening chores. And I think I went about them a little more mindfully than I might, although I have plenty of appreciation for this garden, as you know, and often stop to marvel. But just spending more time soaking in the way the light filtered through the cosmos or listening to the sounds and savoring doesn't seem to be as simple as going "Mm -hmm," like oh great I loved that but to actively engage with your environment to try and notice new things to look forward to things like wow I'm harvesting these flowers and I can't wait to make them into an arrangement looking back at things that have happened recently or in the thinking, oh, wow, 
Like, can you believe the arrangement I made the other day? And doing these little small hops in time and then trying to marshal your mind and your senses to fully absorb the details of right now. The mandate of this podcast is to try to absorb the right now when I'm best at it, when I come closest to what I want to do. I think I'm able to capture the right now. Like this bumblebee that's just starting to stir in the cosmos. He's starting to move his legs around. He's realized he's woken up right where there's a snack. So that's pretty good. It's a bed and breakfast situation in the cosmos. And just a couple of flowers over, there's a bee sleeping upside down with his little hind leg or her, I don't know, wrapped around the stem to kind of help hang on to this Spider-Man type sleep that he's doing. And one thing that came up in the podcast is this idea of finding joy in things as they are, in the small things, rather than, you know, anticipating big, huge moments that you hope will just change everything and be things that you remember for the rest of your life. But the foundation of our happiness is, in fact, a series of small things. And as the season turns to fall, not yet, the equinox is still three weeks away, but there is the beginnings of an autumnal vibe happening. And enjoying the little things is savoring what is. Not worrying about winter, not thinking about the fact that I probably only have six weeks left in this garden. Just enjoying the pollinators on the goldenrod and the bees visiting the cosmos and the abundance of dahlias. They're almost all blooming now. There's more than I can keep up with. Savoring these cool mornings and these like still sunny, warm, beautiful days. And so I'm thinking about that a lot. The little things. One great act of savoring that I did this week was I realized a long awaited goal and I held a harvest dinner in the garden. And I had my three dearest friends who lived in this home at different points of time. And they came over and we had a meal where every course, even the opening cocktail, had something from the garden, had food lovingly made by me, whether it was the sourdough pizza crust or the canned tomato sauce or the basil or the flowers that I put on the cake I made. I wanted to be nourished by this space literally and figuratively. 
and spend time here in this place I love, with people I love. I just honor this moment in the season, this moment in a life. And I was also able to make a big, gorgeous, over-the-top arrangement from the flowers in the garden. I was able to find everything that I wanted to set my little table secondhand. So it was wonderful and luxurious in some ways, but also really modest, really true to my values. And I think that made it all that much better. But I wanted to showcase like that we can have abundance, we can have luxury, we can have just really rich experiences without spending a lot of money, without exotic travel, that we can create just really life-affirming things with a small footprint ecologically, but a big footprint emotionally. I was really looking forward to this. A friend came from far away and uh, I just think I'm gonna cherish it always. And it was also a reminder to me, do the thing, do the thing that you really want to do. This house, there was a chance that it was going to be taken from us. And that was really galvanizing to savor what I have while I have it. Another sign of fall right now is that I'm starting to save more seeds. So there is some seed saving that we do earlier in the season as it comes up. But, you know, I'm noticing the nasturtiums starting to drop their little shells. The cosmos seeds are starting to spread to a wider globe of black seeds. And that's the sign that if you want to save them, now is the time. A lot of my seeds I save by cutting the whole plant down and storing it in paper bags inside and dealing with it later. But with cosmos, I like to put on a garden glove because they're prickly and take a paper bag and just gently rub the seeds into the bag. And you can still be deadheading right now. I still do a bunch of deadheading, but sometimes I miss some. The deadheading will keep it blooming longer, and I, like I said, I'll continue to do that. But if I've missed it, I might as well take the seeds. Cosmos are very generous with their seeds. They're also big self-seeders, so if you leave all those seed heads on there, you're going to end up with a field of cosmos there next year, which could be totally fine. And so I'm out here right now amidst them all. And that's the sound of seeds falling into a bag. There are still so many blooms, so I'm not worried about them going over quite too soon. One other thing to note about cosmos is they can cross-pollinate. So they don't necessarily breed true, especially if you're growing some of the fancier varieties. I've noticed that the kind of bubblegum pink standard one, 
that's the most dominant one. I have the darker purple ones. I have some white ones. I have some that have cross-pollinated and kind of have a beautiful gradient in them. The middle pink tends to dominate in any growing season. And when I see them out in the world, that's true too. So just keep that in mind. I always share Cosmos Seeds as a mix. Um, if you did want to change those proportions, you could avoid saving seeds from these middle pink ones. There's going to be some crossover, but if you wanted to change that ratio, you can. Also, like I said, you can save your nasturtium seeds if you're growing those. When they're ready, they'll kind of fall off their little stem right into your hand if you just gently rub them or touch them. You don't want to yank them off. They won't be done yet. We want them to be nice and ripe before we harvest them. And you know what's funny? Seed saving, I find it immensely rewarding for a lot of reasons. And one is just that I love harvesting, and this is another form of harvest. But I think it's also savoring because I am thinking about the seeds these were. I'm thinking about the plants they'll be in the future. I'm thinking about all the friends and family and strangers that I'll give these seeds to and the plants those will create. And so seed collecting really is a great example of savoring. Soon I'll be saving seeds from my pole beans too, mature on the vine, like where they get hard and this, the pot actually starts to dry out and turn color. And when they can rattle in the pod, that's when they're ready. But I like to keep harvesting those as much as I can because I don't want the plant to get complacent and think its work is done. I want it to keep making more beans for me to eat. Even though at this point I have harvested pounds and pounds and pounds of beans, pole beans especially are some of the most generous plants. And so... We have a lot of beans. I'm going to pickle some this weekend. I think I'll bring some to the community fridge, which does accept homegrown items, by the way. So, yes, that level of seed saving, we're not quite there yet. But Cosmos, we're just beginning. Calendula, if you save calendula, you're snapping off those little dried heads with the spiky little curls of seeds that to me look like fossils. I think those are very cool seeds. Another sign of the shift of seasons right now is that the squirrels are getting a little more frenzied. They plucked off two of my honey nut squash that were not quite ripe and have been left those half-eaten specimens around the garden, which I'm not thrilled about. I also thought my lovely piccolo cucumber plant was going to rally after the last round of squirrel destruction and it had some new flowers on it and a couple baby cukes but of course they found those and they ate them. There is a theory that the squirrels are sometimes thirsty and that's what leads them to take produce. And so the theory says that if you leave a water bowl in your yard for them to drink out of, they might be less of a menace to your produce. I always have a little water bowl with some stones in it that I empty about every third day to prevent mosquitoes from breeding. And I always have that. 
So I think it might just be a little bit of the harvest fever that they feel the change in the seasons and they want to store as much food and consume as much food as possible to get ready for winter. That's a reason why Sylvia mentioned it last week, that we plant our bulbs later. Because if you plant them in October, the winter, pre-winter madness is still upon them. And so we plant them after kind of the squirreling away fever has died down. One special delight of the garden right now is I'm growing a ground cherry plant in one of my bee box planters. This was a kind of a late purchase, an urban harvest sale item. And I hadn't grown ground cherries in quite a while. So I thought, well, let's try again. I have overstuffed my planter. Let's be real. There's calendula in it as well. There are four charred plants, one in each corner. In the middle, there is the ground cherry. And then there is also the cucumelon that planted itself that's climbing up the tomato cage. So this is a very stuffed planter. It's probably a little suboptimal for the ground cherry. I also think this spot is not as sunny as it used to be, and it could use a little more sun, but we are getting fruit. So ground cherries grow in a husk, so like a papery kind of shell that, much like a tomatillo, if you know tomatillos, and when they're ready, that husk turns like a brown, crisp, papery color, and you peel back the husk, they're not sticky like tomatillos, which is nice. I don't like that stickiness. When you peel back the husk inside, there is a yellow fruit about the size of a marble or a very small cherry tomato. And why these are special is they have a tropical flavor that you can't normally find in plants native to this climate. Let's have a taste. Ooh. So they have a gushy center, like a tomato, a little bit firmer on the outside. And then, what's this flavor? Oh, I'll have to eat another one, just to be sure. For the purposes of education. A little bit pineapple a little bit mango. If you put those two together, that's about a ground cherry. And if you get a chance to try some, I highly recommend it because they're such little marvels. Okay. I think it's time for me to wind up and head inside. I have a busy day of making salsa ahead of me. It is canning weekend. My Labor Day is a little backwards and I tend to do a lot of labor, but at least it's the labor I choose. And so I'll be making a lot of salsa and a lot of pizza sauce and whatever else my half bushel of Roma tomatoes can give me. I am wishing you a wonderful, nourishing week ahead. 
with many little moments to savor. Take care, everyone.